Father God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your presence in those homes of those persons who are tuned in. And we ask for that mighty movement today. We ask that you shift us up, Lord. That you change our hearts, change our minds, so that we focus on the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I, I, let me tell y'all something. When I hear the songs that I've grown up in church listening to, they have a different effect on me now. I, I sang them um, when, you know, I would go to church every Sunday. I would sing them, but they never really impacted my heart. And when you give your life to Christ, things just change. I mean, you understand what worship really means, and it touches you. How great thou art. Great is your faithfulness. Do we really understand what that means in our lives? God is great. God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be magnified and glorified. God sacrificed his only son on that cross so that we could be free. So that we could be free. So we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be grateful to God for. Amen? Amen. And so while we were downstairs in worship this morning, I swear that Skeeter was right in my room when I was writing this sermon today. And that's how God moves. Even the songs ushered in the spirit of the Lord to get our hearts right, to receive it today. And so I'm, I'm switching up because, you know, the Holy Spirit just sometimes moves in you, not the way that you intend to move, but you just let it flow. And so today the Holy Spirit is speaking through me to you. So let us get ready to hear the word of God. And we're going to begin with Psalms 119. And it reads, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare 
all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will never forget your word. God is speaking to us today, church. He's speaking up to us about walking in obedience. According to Webster's Dictionary, obedience is compliance with an order or request. Submission to another's authority. The Bible talks a lot about obedience in many scriptures. The assumption here this morning is that we all want to please God. But the reality is no one obeys God all the time. We get caught up <laughs> in gossiping about people, especially when someone calls us on the phone to give us that juicy pizza, you know what? Right? We all desire to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit until someone gets under our skin and we lose our temper, become impatient and intolerable of the person. When we are alone, we are fine. When we get up in the morning, we are usually not grumpy while we are lying down. But when we get up, and something happens in our life that sets off our day. Life happens, but God is saying clearly to us today that he needs us to walk in obedience to his commands. Let's look at the story of Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 1 to 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am. He said, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go over, go where, while I and the boy, sorry, go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. 
when they reached the place God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on that boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked and there in the ticket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together to Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. When I read that story, and every time I read the Bible, I always take time to meditate on the word. That's what God needs us to do. He needs us to take time when we're reading the scriptures and see what it is that he needs to reveal through the scriptures to us. That way, you know, the word starts to become part of you. And when I read the story of Abraham, I reflected, I'm like, would I, would I have been so brave, so obedient to sacrifice my own children, one of my own children? Would you, those of you that have children in here, would you be so obedient to God to trust him that he's going to make everything right by sacrificing your own child? But see, Abraham is an example of the way God needs us to have faith in him. Faith larger than a mustard seed. Faith that can't be moved. Faith that can't be shaken. Faith that can't be broken. Knowing that God has our best interest at heart. He's the author and finisher of our faith, right? The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God knew us from in our mother's womb. He plotted our life and created us for a purpose in his kingdom. 
And what God is saying to us is he's calling a lot of you right in here in these seats today. He's been talking to you. He's been ministering to you. He's been telling you he needs you to go that way because I need you to go over there and minister for me. But you know what's happening? Because for some of us, what God is calling us to do is outside the box that we made for ourselves. Because you know we make boxes, right? To keep ourselves nice and comfortable in that space that you're good at. And when you have to step out the box into the unknown, into uncharted territories, you fear. You get afraid. You worry about what this world's going to say. You're worried about what people are going to say, how they're going to receive you. And God is saying today to stop it. He's saying, I have called you for this season and I need you to step out in faith. That's what he's saying to us at VI Christian Ministries and my brothers and sisters, you at home. He's saying the same thing to all of us. He needs us to trust him. Obedience is challenging. It, it, it's something that you have to work at. And Abraham may not have understood God's request of him to sacrifice his son Isaac. But he didn't question God. He obeyed. He trusted him. It takes discipline and deliberate courage every single day to honor God's will for your life. God is saying just like he called Abraham, that he's calling all of us for different parts or different roles in his ministry. So my brothers and sisters, you have to understand that we don't know the big picture of our lives. We really don't know where God is going to take us tomorrow. We're living and we're walking in alignment to God and we're trusting God to order our steps every single day that he gives us the breath of life. We're trusting him to guide us in the path that he needs us to travel. So our jobs is not to worry about what this life is doing or the circumstances or the storms or the struggles or the trials. Our job is to focus on God. Our job is to walk in obedience to God. Our job is to preach and teach the word. Our job is to stay connected, to have that intimate relationship with God. And the only way to get it is to be in his presence. It's to be in his presence. You cannot my brothers and sisters, come to church on Sunday and that's it. We cannot treat God as if he's secondary in our life. God has to be a priority for each and every one of us. I don't care what your relationship looks like with God. I just need you to have one. I need you to know him for yourself. I need him to speak to you and you follow him for yourself. Your walk is not going to look like my walk. Your walk is not going to look at like pastor's walk. But each of us has a walk to do. That's right. Each of us has something that God needs us to do for his kingdom. 
And I saw this, 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 this um, post on Facebook, right? And I'm going to read it to you because it, it stuck with me. It says, you call me the way. We call Jesus the way maker, right? But when I make the way, you don't follow me. You call me the light. But you don't see me. You only see me when an event happens in your life. That's when you know Jesus. You call me the teacher. But you don't listen to me. You call me the Lord. But you don't serve me. You call me the truth. But you don't believe in me. A lot of us hear the word. A lot of us ask God to give us the desires of our hearts. But your heart is not in a place to receive from God. Because you're saying it. I call it lip service. You're giving the lip service. You're quoting every scripture. You can say the word of God, but the word of God is not even in your heart. And my brothers and sisters, God is saying, got to get it right. God is getting ready to bring the lost souls into his kingdom. But he needs the church to get it right. You got to get your heart in a position to receive from God. John chapter 14 verse 23 says, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My father will love them and he will come to them and make a home with them. Salvation is a free gift from God, but Jesus promised a personal, intimate relationship with those who love him and are willing to obey his commandments. So what is obedience? Obedience, number one, is an act of worship. Obedience is important to God. Obedience flows from your heart. Your heart has to hunger and thirst for the word of God. It can't be something on a checklist that you have that says, I went to church on Sunday. I showed up at prayer on Monday. I am at House of Peace on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're in the world. That's not what God wants. And God really needs us to examine the things that we have been doing. Because of our father's love for us, he sacrificed his only son so that we can be redeemed and have an opportunity to be free. But some of us take that for granted. Some of us take for granted what Jesus died on that cross meant for us. Could you imagine if Jesus didn't die on that cross? Look at the wall today. And so much sin, so much darkness on this world. What do you think that our father would have done here? We would have filled that fire from God throughout scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. It shows you where many felt the wrath of God for their disobedience. But because Jesus 
pay the ultimate sacrifice for us. We have to go through that. We are free. We are the ones who allow the enemy to have any entry way into our lives. And we do that by operating in sin. We do that by putting the world first instead of God. My brothers and sisters, when you sin, you displease God. And there's a reason why we have the commandments. It's not for style. There's a reason why there are laws and precepts and commandments, you know. They're to be followed. And we don't get to negotiate with God about which one of the commandments we're going to follow. He expects us to follow all. Amen? He expects us to follow all. And so today, God is saying that he needs you to commit your life to him. All of us practically, I think, in this church today have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, you're going to have an opportunity to do that, as well as, as those of you who are viewing today. But when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he needs you to commit yourself to him, to studying the word, to worshiping, to spending time in his presence, to building that relationship. And he needs you to trust him. God needs you to act. So if you don't remember anything from today, remember act. Accept, commit, and trust God. And pastor, um, in previous, previous messages, I don't know if it was the last Sunday or the Sunday before, she talked about Jesus as our Lord. Might have been last Sunday. And that we needed to put him first place above everything else, right? And that we belong to him and we experience him in our lives. We bow down to him and we are born again with the incorruptible seed, which means we can't be destroyed. Stop letting the enemy think that because you're in a storm that you're not going to make it through the storm. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar, and we don't walk alone through any storm. God is right there with us. We don't have to fear, because we know at the end of that storm, behind the circumstances is where our victory lies. So stop letting the enemy make you think that you're going to stay in the season that you are in. You praise God in a season, because you know what's behind for you and you know that if God has led you to a, a storm right he expects you to go through it because if he didn't want you there he would not let you go there but there's something in the storms that we go through that God uses to help to develop and transform us in who into who he wants us to be I remember saying I don't know how many things do you want me to deal with at one time? I have a lot going on in my life at one time, but it does not stop me from praising God. It does not stop me from standing on that solid foundation, which is Christ. It does not stop me from pushing through because I will have a testimony to give about God's goodness in every single storm 
that I'm going through. And you, my brothers and sisters, will have that same testimony as well. So you just got to stay focused on who you should focus on, and that's Jesus. Amen? So we become the word of God in flesh. We are seed of God. And we grow and look like where we came from, right? We talk about being in God's image, right? So if we're a mirror image of God, it means that we should carry ourselves a certain way. That we should do things that are pleasing to God. So the things that God hates, we should hate. And God hates sin. So we should hate sinning. Amen? Number two, obedience proves your love in an authentic way. Authentic means being genuine, real, true to God. First John 5, 2 to 3 tells us, everyone who believes that Christ, that Jesus is the, is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. God has commanded us to love one another just as you have heard from the beginning. But many of us struggle with loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Loving your enemies and forgiving those who have committed offenses against you. My brothers and sisters, we have some of that right here in the church. The Holy Spirit just said that to me. Some of you have been hurt by people in the church. And so you can't, you can't move forward if you don't address it. You got to forgive people. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. And, and, and God is getting ready to elevate the church. He's getting ready to take us to a new level. And you can't carry that baggage. You got to let go of that baggage, of that stronghold, that thing that's keeping you in bondage and focus on God. When you come to church, you don't come to church for Pastor Adele. You come to church to get the word, to get the spiritual food that you need to carry you through the day, right? So what are you worrying about who say what, when they do what, what they do, who wants to be in charge? Cut that nonsense out. That should not be in a church. And this, this word is straight from God. And I know, I said, God, you know I'm the one. Because I really say what I have to say, how I need to say it. And not to offend anybody. But I'm the type of person who believes in being true and honest. I, I, I don't know how else to be. And sometimes the truth hurts. Nobody wants to hear that you're a problem. Nobody wants to hear that, oh, I've been a Christian for 20 years. I know what it means to follow Christ. Are you saying that I don't obey? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying because none of us 
I don't care how good you think you are. None of us walks that blameless life. We try it. We try. That is our goal. But we fall short. Let's be real. We fall short. But the good thing, when Jesus died on that cross, we have an opportunity to go before our Father and ask for forgiveness. And he gives it to us. So my brothers and sisters, those of you who are walking around with heavy hearts because you just couldn't let that situation go, God is saying to you today, you got to release it. You got to release that person. You got to forgive that person. My goodness, you go before God and you ask him for forgiveness, but you can't forgive somebody? That's hypocrisy. And that's not how we operate. Because, because we operate in his image, correct? And so if God forgives, then we have to forgive, amen? Amen, amen, amen. Number three, obedience to God confirms our faith. 1 John 2, verse 3 to 6, John wrote, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And it goes back to the fact that we are all created in God's image. So, I have a confession. My biggest problem is my mouth. You couldn't tell, right? And <laughs> that is actually the first place that God took me to. He's like, I need you to get your mouth under control. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. And the transformation that God has done in my life has made me stop. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen, right? So I take a pause for the cause before I let it out. I'm not quite there yet, but I say when I catch myself most of the times. You remember, your walk with God is a, is a process. And when I catch myself, I say, well, what would Jesus say in this situation here? What would Jesus do in this particular situation? And I wait to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because if I go out on my own, I'm going to be on my knees all night. Asking God to forgive me. And so he's saying that you got to know that you're an image of his. So you got to operate in a way that pleases God. You see that thing called faith? We struggle with faith because we can't see it, we can't touch it, we can't feel it. It's not something tangible. And, and since we operate in this world, we always want to see something, right? Before it happens. 
Well, God needs you not to know what's going to happen so your faith could grow in him. And know that he's going to do it at his perfect timing. And I always go back to this analogy. We get on an airplane. I'm getting on a plane November 11th. When I walk on to Delta Airlines, I'm not going to stop at the pilot to say, well, what you score your test when you went to pilot school? You sure you know how to get me to where I need to go? We get on airplanes, right? And we have faith and trust that we are in good hands. Right? Agree? Those of you who travel to St. John, we get on boats. We don't ask the captain a question. We sit in our seats and we know that we're going to get to St. John. Or if you're coming from St. John, you're going to get to St. Thomas. We put our faith and trust in the captain. The newfangled thing is the Uber. We get in Ubers when we get to America. We don't ask the driver to see if his license is current, if it's expired. What did you score on your road test, sir? Can I see your navigation tool to make sure you know where you're taking me? No. We get in the Uber and we trust and have faith that that driver, who we don't even know, will get us to our destinations, correct? So why you can't do that with God? Can somebody tell me why? Why can't we do that with God, whose word, this good book tells you what he promises to do for us? At least you have a guide. It's not all unknown. God's word tells us what he promises to do for us. But we still struggle with having faith in God. My brothers and sisters, God is saying he needs us to grow in our faith. You can't wait till a storm hits and then you're like, a, like the coconut tree and then you're, you're, you're all over the place because you're not standing on solid ground. You don't believe that God's going to come through. You don't have faith. And the only way to get the faith that you need in God is through the word, through the teachings. Taking the word and letting it fall on good soil. And really just applying it to your lives. So my brothers and sisters, you can't say that I love you, God. But you love living with your boyfriend too. You can't say I love God. But you're lying on your taxes. You can't say, I love God, but you're rude to every co-worker and to your spouse when you get home. You can't say, I love God, but you're envying and everything that you see your neighbor has. You want it. And some of us go so far as to do whatever it takes to get it. But you love God. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The two don't jive. 
they don't jive. And I'm saying this to you, church, not to point fingers, because all of us could look at areas in our lives <laughs> that we fall right into this category. But it's revelation. It is a word for you to reflect on your life. Because remember, we are trying to live that blameless, righteous life as best as we could. And so we're a work in progress. But you got to know that those things don't please God. Every day, my brothers and sisters, in the walk with God, you have to crucify your flesh. You have to pick up the cross daily. You have to die to yourself. You are not in charge you are a vessel of the Lord. And when you start to understand what that means, surrendering all to Jesus is not a big deal. You rest it at the foot of the cross. And you focus on the work that he has for you to do. You have to turn off those fleshly desires. Some people feel that because they go to church, because they read the Bible, because they pray, that somehow that covers your willful disobedience to what God has clearly mandated for you. My brothers and sisters, it doesn't. It doesn't. God blesses us when we obey him. A righteous man may fall seven times, but what does he do? He rises again. You're not a failure for falling down. It's when you stay down. It's when the problem comes. God again gives us the opportunity to ask for forgiveness when we fall short of his glory. But the key, my brothers and sisters, is to sin no more. Ask God to reveal to you those areas in your life where you displease him with your actions, with your thoughts, with your words, and he will reveal it to you. The key is a commitment to making that change. And God is calling all of us to make that change today. He needs us to be ready for when he brings the lost souls into this house. And if you can't get yourself together, how you gonna guide somebody else? You can't. And so he really needs us to look at our lives and look at those areas and ask God to help to show you if you don't know. And he will, but you gotta be committed to making that improvement in your life. And our lesson for this week at House of Peace talks about faith. Talks about four types of faith. Faith in the works means you have to see God. You got to see him bless you before you give yourself to the blesser. That's not the faith that we want. We want the faith that you have in God himself. Because you know that he's not a man that he shall lie. And he's not the son of man that he shall what? change his mind. He's the same. He's a faithful, constant God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
you could take him to the bank. Don't take me, because I'm about to change my mind sometimes. And so will everybody in this world. But with God, you understand that he's always going to be there with you. Of course, God is telling us about disobedience. And what best, better story to look at than Jonah? What did Jonah do when God told him that he needed to go to Nineveh? What did Jonah do? We could talk in this church, you know. What did Jonah do? He went the opposite way. Because what? He didn't want to follow God's commands, right? And so he got on a boat and headed into Tarshish. And what happened to, to Jonah on the boat? There was a storm. And so the boat was tossing. And as I'm reading the scripture, I am envisioning a boat. You know, I'm from St. John, so we got tossing off. Coming from St. John to St. Thomas. But I, 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 I could imagine the waves were so high that the people on the boat were afraid. And couldn't understand why they were experiencing this. And when they cast the lot and it ended up on Jonah, they asked him, why? What, what, why, why is this happening? How do we fix it? And what did Jonah say? Throw me over. And when they did, what happened? The sea came calm. And what happened to Jonah God, let me tell you something. Even though Jonah was disobedient to God, he sent a whale to make sure Jonah didn't drown. And so the whales, well, they call it a big fish. We're going to call it a whale. So the whale swallowed Jonah up, which was God's way to protect him. And when he was in the whale for three days, what did Jonah do? Pray, because you know that's what we do. When we get into an event, oh, we get down on our knees and we pray. We pray, we pray, we pray ceaselessly to ask God to deliver us, right? That's what Jonah did. And what did God do? He delivered him. And he told him, go where I send you. Go to Nineveh. Right? And he obeyed. And see, sometimes, because our head hard, I, I always raise my hand because I use my life. You're stubborn. You want to be in control. You want to do things your way. But God gonna humble you, you know. And I had a humbling experience. I was flat on my face. And I know from that experience, I'm not going to be up here disobeying God. I'm going to follow God. Because when I tried to do it on my own, that train wreck. I was literally a train wreck. I made so many detours off the path that God had before me. Waste time. Waste time. But God needed me to do that. 
Because now I have a testimony to give to all of you who are out there wasting your time. Stop wasting your time. You don't know the big picture. Let God order your steps. Walk in obedience to God. Don't be out there sinning for sinning's sake. Walk that blameless life. And so we use the story of Jonah to know that we don't want to walk in disobedience to God. We don't ever want to feel the wrath of God in our lives. And so he's telling us, you don't have to. You don't have to have any issues other than the ones the enemy may send that I'm going to see you through anyway. Just focus on him. And then you could look at the story of Moses with Pharaoh. Right? And God told Moses in Exodus 7 to go tell Pharaoh to let the people go. But God knew he would harden Pharaoh's heart. That's the next thing that God does. He's going to use people to test you, you know. And so God knew that he had hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he wasn't going to let the people go, no matter what he sent their way. And he sent plagues, he sent boils, he sent frogs, all sorts of things. And Pharaoh still didn't let the people go. And my brothers and sisters, when you think and you read those stories in the good book, just remember how, how grateful that you need to be for Jesus. We don't have to experience those things now. We don't have to worry about COVID. Pastor tells us we're not allowed to get COVID. So if you catch COVID, don't come back to church. I'm just kidding. You're not allowed to get COVID. You're not allowed to. We walk in immunity. Get your cup. If you need a reminder that we don't let the spirit of sickness come into our lives. And when it comes, we know the authority that we have as kings in God's kingdom to decree and declare. Exercise your rights. Walk in the image of God. So we just need to remember that disobedience has consequences when we rebel against God. The fullness of his blessings cannot be manifested. A hindered blessing will never change God's unconditional love for his children. However, obedience is the foundational kingdom principle for receiving his blessings. If you're disobedient and rebellious, you are acting according to your sinful nature which is cursed, and God's blessing cannot flow in your life. And I don't know about you guys, but everything that God has purposed for Dion's life, from this, the foundation of this world, I want it. I want it. I want it. So I'm not going to do anything deliberately to stop that. And that's what God is saying today. Even though you may fall short, you cannot be deliberately out there disobeying God. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, a lot of us are surrounding ourselves with people who are just permitting sin and you're standing in agreement. I'm not saying that you can turn somebody around. But don't stand in agreement when people are out there doing foolishness, you know. 
especially when you know what this good book says. You have to be able to stand up for what's right. You have to be able to stand on your two feet with confidence and with boldness, knowing what this word says in any situation. If you're doing that, you need to fix that as well. True obedience, we actually avoid the shame and guilt that comes from messing up our lives by decisions we make. And while forgiveness is possible because of the cross, the shame and guilt and embarrassment and regret still linger and gives way to the enemy to set up camp. Let me tell you something today. What you did a minute ago, you can't change. So why are you reliving things five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Okay, you made a mistake. We all do. But when you became born again, it's a brand new person. Don't let the enemy bring things from your past into your future. When he comes up, as that roaring lion ready to get you down and doubtful and discouraged. You tell him he's lodged underneath your feet. You have no dominion in my life. You are not allowed to be in my house. For me and my house, we serve the Lord. When you call the name of Jesus, the enemy flees. There's no dominion over you. You are the one who lets him come in and set up camp. And see, my brothers and sisters, the enemy wants you to stay in that state where you can't move. Where you feel that I've been in this storm for over a year, God. I don't see a way out. Where are you? Because what he's going to do when you get up in the morning, Sonia and I laugh because I say, as soon as I open my eye, he's in my head with some nonsense. And I said, not today. And so he's not going to stop. He's going to keep coming, keep charging. And he will tell you things like, you still where you are? Where is your God? You ain't see God ain't even listening to you. You did praising somebody that ain't even studying you. Those are the negative things that the enemy uses to keep us in bondage. But from today, my brothers and sisters, your past is a history lesson. That's how I want you to treat your past. It's a history lesson in your good book of life. And so you can look at the mistakes that you've made so you don't make them moving forward. But you don't bring that baggage into where God is about to take you. But the good thing about Jesus, see, when Adam sinned against God, when he disobeyed God, God's image and likeness in humans became distorted. We lost the blessings and were placed on a curse. But the blessings have been reinstated. Christ redeemed us from that curse and restored us in God's image and likeness. But a lot of us struggle because that we're, we feel that we're in, in a state of 
stagnancy. And what the enemy is doing to the church is he's, he's attacking the members of the church in different ways. He's attacking some of us through finances, some of us through relationships, some of us through our minds, our health, because he doesn't want us to be a united force for God. And so he's going to come. It's not if he's going to come. He's going to come. But you, my brothers and sisters, have to know that even though the weapons may form, they're not going to prosper. They're not. And you don't walk this life alone. God goes before you. He's with you. He's all around you. And he protects his own. God looks out for his children. His grace and his mercy sustains us every day. So we don't have to worry about Satan and his nonsense. We got to keep our eyes focused on God's. So we're going to wrap up, but I want you to make sure that you remember that parable of the sower. When you come to church, I need you to remember the parable of the sower in Luke 8. The word is your seed. So those that fall on the path means that you hear the word and the devil comes and takes the word from your heart so that you don't believe that you could be saved. Then you have the word that falls on rocky ground. Those are the people who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in time of testing, it falls right away. Then there are seeds that fall among thorns. That stands for people who hear the word. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries of life, the riches and pleasures, and they do not mature in their walk with God. But the seed that falls on good soil are those people with noble and good hearts who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering through life, they produce crop. And my brothers and sisters, that's what God needs us to do or to have in our hearts, that good soil, so that when you hear the word, it takes root. You start to think about how you're going to apply the word to your life. And so today, my brothers and sisters, I urge you, I plead with you to walk in obedience to God. God needs each and every one of us. And God is a faithful God. He's asking us to be faithful children. 
And for me, I don't think that's too much to ask. Especially when he sacrificed his son for me and for you. And so today, my brothers and sisters, you have heard the word from the Lord. I need you to stand and I need you to close your eyes. And I need you to get in that presence. Feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Close your eyes. Just think about walking in obedience. Make that commitment to God today. Lord, you have said in your word that if we regard iniquity in our hearts, you will not hear. We want you to hear our prayers. So we ask you today to reveal where there is any disobedience in our lives. We pray that you would give us the desire to live in obedience to your laws and your ways. Reveal and uproot anything we willingly give place to that is not of you. Help us to bring every thought and action under your control. Remind us to do good, to speak evil of no one, and to be peaceable, gentle, and humble. Teach us to embrace the stretching pain of discipline and discipleship. Record us according to our righteousness and according to the cleanness of our hands. Show us your way, O Lord. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth for you are the God of our salvation. Make us a praising people, for we know that when we worship you, we gain clear understanding, our lives are transformed, and we receive the power to live your way. Help us to hear your specific instructions and enable us to obey them. Give us a heart, O oh God, that longs to do your will. And may we enjoy the peace that only comes from living in total obedience to your commands. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen and amen.